here is your spoiler-free wrestling update for Tuesday, May 19th, 2020. And unfortunately, we have to start things uh, out with an unfortunate story, an update on a story from yesterday's update. Uh, Shad Gaspard, formerly of Crime Time in WWE, has been missing since Sunday afternoon following getting caught in a strong riptide at Marina Del Rey Beach. And rescuers have called off the search. They called off the in-water portion of the search on Sunday evening. Again, uh, yesterday evening, as of this writing, there are people back out at the beach today. But unfortunately, it does not look like there is going to be a good ending to this story, given the amount of time that he's been missing for and the nature of how he went missing. Of course, the inspirational almost part of the story is witness reports that Shad instructed rescuers to first rescue his 10-year-old son before turning their attention to him. He was then taken underwater, unfortunately, at that time, and search teams have been unable to find him. Now, the third day of searching ongoing. A statement from Gaspard's family was released through both MVP and Lance Archer. And so MVP tweeted out the following. Tweeted at the request of Shad's family. Shad's family appreciates all the love, support, and concern through this horrible ordeal. At this time, they are not ready to make any public or official statements to any media outlet and ask all to respect their wishes. So... A very sad story, unfortunately, that the world of wrestling is following right now. 39-year-old Shad Gaspard missing, and unfortunately, things are not looking good uh, in terms of there being a positive outcome here. Actually, a second sad story for us to pivot to here. The season finale of Dark Side of the Ring airs tonight, and it will cover Owen Hart's tragic death in the Kemper Arena on May 23rd, 1999. So almost 21 years ago to the date, just four days shy of the 21st anniversary of Owen Hart's death. Now, in conjunction with Vice Media, the Owen Hart Foundation which is the foundation that Martha Hart set up following Owen's death, uh, with much of the financing of that foundation coming from the wrongful death lawsuit filed against WWE. So, Owen Hart merchandise is now official Owen Hart merchandise, uh, mind you, is now available for the first time in over 20 years. There are two shirts available up at ProWrestlingTees.com with all proceeds of these shirts going to the Owen Hart Foundation. Now, Martha Hart was on Talk is Jericho recently, and she spoke a little bit about how the Owen Hart Foundation, a lot of the work that they do mirrors the kind of, the kind of person that Owen Hart was in life. And she told a story on that show about how one time Owen was leaving a hotel room and ran into a person experiencing homeless homelessness 
and and told the person they could use his hotel room, you know, to to nap, take a shower, I guess. And a lot of the work that the Owen Hart Foundation now does is helping low-income families and individuals uh, purchase homes. The Owen Hart Foundation also has a scholarship program for students to, to go to school. And any if you purchase either one of these two shirts up at ProWrestlingTees.com, all of the proceeds will go to the Owen Hart Foundation, will support that work that Martha Hart says Owen Hart would be so proud of uh, being done in his name. Unfortunately, in the wake of Owen Hart, Owen Hart's death being the focus of this Dark Side of the Ring episode tonight, Martha Hart has been doing plenty of media, and both Bret Hart and WWE's lawyer, Jerry McDevitt, have issued statements on some of the things that Martha Hart has been saying in these interviews. So in terms of um, Jerry McDivitt, so Martha has spoken about how WWE actually took legal action against her during the wrongful death lawsuit. And so what had actually happened was uh, WWE lawyers filed suit against Martha Hart because in their contract with Owen Hart, it stated that any legal action taken regarding Owen Hart's employment was to be done in Connecticut. But she filed the wrongful death lawsuit in Kansas City where Owen died. So they were suing her to take the uh, lawsuit to Connecticut where, as Martha Hart put it, punitive damages would be less of a factor due to the laws there. So Jerry McDivitt issued a very lengthy statement to CBS Sports regarding statements regarding this that Martha had made on Talk is Jericho and also on CBS Sports. And although he didn't really address that specifically, he did take several shots at Martha and her legal team and how they handled the wrongful death lawsuit, which I thought was sort of interesting considering there can be no doubt here that WWE was negligent in Owen's death. I don't, that's certainly not anything that can be debated. So it was interesting to me that Devitt would kind of go on the offensive and take an aggressive stance against Martha in the media when the facts of the case really can't be debated. I mean, we they've all been exposed over, over 21 years. People witnessed it happen. There's been numerous people talk about it uh, in interviews and such since. So I thought it was really weird for Jerry McDivitt to take shots at Martha, who in many ways, what I mean, not to some, but to most... <laughs> And hopefully the vast majority, Martha is the sympathetic figure here. And so here's just sort of a fraction of what Jerry McDevitt said to CBS Sports. He said, Martha was not even remotely interested in finding out what happened that night. She just wanted to use it as a vehicle to beat up a business that she didn't like that her husband was in the wrestling business. I mean, this is ridiculous that he would come out and take shots at Owen Hart's widow 21 years after the company he's representing was negligent in his death. 
And there is not a person in the world in their right mind that can deny WWE was incredibly negligent in Owen Hart's death. Can't be debated. Can't be debated by a rational person. And if you want to send me an email saying that they weren't negligent, um, feel free to never visit this website ever again. So the Owen Hart Foundation was started with about $18 million that uh, Martha Hart received in this wrongful death lawsuit. Bret Hart has also issued a statement regarding Martha Hart's comments on this. Well, not really on this. So Brett, or Martha had done an interview with The Wrap, and she said that her relationship with Bret Hart deteriorated after the wrongful death lawsuit because, in her opinion, Bret was hoping to get access to his wrestling footage through the, the lawsuit. But when that didn't happen, then, in Martha's opinion, Brett sort of cozied up to Vince McMahon in order to get that footage and sort of rekindled their friendship or whatever type of relationship that they had. And Brett issued a statement to The Wrap, not really saying much other than it was more complicated than that. And he didn't issue any comments on the wrongful death lawsuit. He just issued statement on what led to him and Martha Hart having a falling out. And so this is what Bret Hart said. While I am not interested in engaging in any more media mudslinging between Martha and myself, especially in light of a global pandemic, I will say that our fallout is multifaceted. To say that it only involved being able to access and use my WWE footage and photos for future projects would merely be an oversimplification and inaccurate. I will not comment any further on the matter. So, unfortunately, I think all of this is incredibly sad. Um, Owen Hart was my personal favorite wrestler. Growing up and up and you know, when he died, uh, I was 19 years old, had just turned 19. Uh, the first wrestling show I ever went to when I was six years old was a Stampede Wrestling Show in Calgary. This was not Stu Hart Stampede Wrestling, but it was uh, like when the brothers tried to uh, bring it back a little bit. No one Hart was like the top baby face. He would feud with Muckin Singh who would go on to be Bastion Booger uh, in, in WWE. Bad News Allen, better known as Bad News Brown, was there. Honky Tonk Wayne, later known as Honky Tonk Man, was also there. And Owen Hart, this was before he became the Blue Blazer in WWE, he was the top good guy. And unfortunately, whenever the topic of Owen Hart gets brought up, it gets into this nasty squabble, whether it's between Owen Hart's estate and family, Martha Hart, um, and WWE, or it's between Bret Hart and Martha Hart, or it's between WWE alumni, like Mark Henry coming out and making statements that she would love for Owen Hart, or he would love for Owen Hart to be inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame. And Martha Hart saying, like, I'm never going to allow that to happen. I'm never going to allow WWE to profit off of 
Owen's likeness. And a lot of people, I, I mean, when you think that Owen Hart was in his, was 34 years old when he died, he got robbed of over half his life because WWE wanted to do this stunt where he would repel from the ceiling and they wanted to make it look good. Hi, you know, why they would then be able to profit further off of Owen, you know, is, is certainly questionable, but Owen Hart has been inducted into multiple different wrestling hall of fames, including the pro wrestling hall of fame in Wichita Falls, Texas last summer. And Martha and Owen's family were on hand for that as well uh, as the Luthez wrestling hall of fame in 2018. He was inducted into, um, and, and Martha was on hand for that. So it's, it's not that Owen Hart's estate and Martha Hart specifically want to erase Owen from pro wrestling history. They just, you know, would want, they, they just don't want WWE to make money off of, off of it. Now, if, if AEW, for instance, or New Japan Pro Wrestling, where Owen was very briefly a junior heavyweight, um, if they wanted to do something to honor Owen, I, I don't, I, I don't think you would see this this kind of resistance. But every time Owen Hart gets brought up, it's all this negative mudslinging, sort of as as Brett put it, instead of just a celebration of Owen, who was a, a who nobody has a negative word to say about. And it's so sad that the negative impacts of Owen's death continue now, even to this day, nearly 21 years later. Where people can't just sit back and say a lot of bad stuff happened. Let's celebrate Owen, you know? But you can celebrate Owen and contribute to the Owen Hart Foundation by purchasing any one of these two t-shirts from Pro Wrestling Tees the first official Owen Hart merchandise to be made in over 20 years. And the proceeds will go to the Owen Hart Foundation, which Martha Hart says the programs they support mirror the, the sort of person that Owen Hart was in life. That sounds like a great way to celebrate Owen Hart instead of uh, sort of the approach that the Jerry McDevitts of the world have decided to engage in uh, here with this story. All right, next up, we just got a couple of small, smaller, anyway, wrestling stories, and then we'll get into some of the big happenings from last night's episode of Monday Night Raw. Is it still Monday Night Raw? I think it's just WWE Raw now. I don't know if that's because, you know, on the West Coast, it starts airing at 5 p.m. But anyway, WWE Raw. We'll get to that a little bit later. Starting off with some small news from the National Wrestling Alliance. I thought this was surprising given the way or given how successful he had been in the promotion. But Ricky Starks announced on Busted Open Radio yesterday that he is no longer with the NWA. His contract ran out and he is now a free agent. I mean, this is sort of a tough time to be a free agent, but perhaps he was thinking, 
you know, it's time to get moving forward here with my career. But also the NWA doesn't, I mean, if, if you're signed to compete with the NWA, I don't believe they're signing people to exclusive contracts. So he should have been free to compete with Ring of Honor, other promotions, unless he's trying to get a contract with a company that only offers exclusive contracts. So we'll see. I thought this was, I thought this was interesting because on NWA programming, you'd had people like Nick Aldis, the NWA world champion, talking about how Ricky Starks was the future. So it seemed like he had quite a future in Billy Corgan's promotion. But that's no longer the case. He's a free agent. And we'll keep you up to date. See if Ricky Stark signs on anywhere sometime soon. Also, in terms of promotions locking up some of their talent, or not locking up some of the talent, as the case with Ricky Starks, but Major League Wrestling has announced that they have signed Richard Holiday to a multi-year extension. Now, Richard Holiday is currently a member of the Dynasty, and that faction consists at the moment of Richard Holiday, Alexander Hammerstone, and Gino Bendina. Before leaving the company recently, after losing to Mance Warner in a Loser Leaves Town match, Maxwell Jacob Friedman was also a member of the Dynasty. So this is a faction that came in shortly after MLW was back on air. MLW Fusion started airing on BN Sports. Major League Wrestling brought in Alexander Hammerstone, put Richard Holiday and Maxwell Jacob Friedman together. And Richard Holiday is really somebody who's starting to come into his own, especially now that MJF has left. With MJF gone, Richard now seems more the focal point of the dynasty, although they've never used a term leader. They've Even when MJF was there, he was never really the leader. But Richard Holiday seems like he's more the focus now of the lifestyles of the rich and dynastic episodes that air every week on Fusion. So him getting re-signed to the company, multi-year extension, I think that's a big deal for MLW. It's a bigger deal for MLW than it is maybe for Holiday. I think Holiday is really someone who's going to become a bigger star now for that promotion once that promotion gets back going. MLW is one of the rare promotions in North America, not throwing any shows right now. And Court Bauer has said, now, MLW's offices are in New York. And they were, New York was shut down very quickly. And has had, has really felt the impacts of the ongoing COVID-19 global pandemic. And Court Bauer has basically said, look, we're not even thinking about throwing shows or, or holding empty arena shows until we're sure it's safe to do so. And so right now, MLW is airing their anthology series where they go back and they look at older episodes of Fusion as well as episodes from their original run in 2002 to 2004. Now, if you are not familiar with MLW from 2002 to 2004, they sort of formed in the ashes of ECW they would hold events in the ECW arena. Joey Styles was the play-by-play -play commentator. Well, the only 
commentator. So it did have a vibe very similar to ECW, but also different. It was ECW with a little bit more lucha. Although ECW did have, I mean, ECW brought in Rey Mysterio and Psychosis long before WCW did. But it was ECW with a, with a different spin on that kind of promotion. Now, I'm not sure exactly what led to the original MLW folding, but Court Bauer would go on to work for WWE uh, for many years af after the original uh, MLW. So Richard Holiday re-signing with MLW. Um, yeah, so in storyline, MLW is shut down because of they were being overthrown by Contra Unit, which we saw on the last episode of Fusion before they started airing the anthology series. So when MLW does get back up and running, whenever that may be, hopefully sooner rather than later, but it does sound like Court Bauer is, is going, will, will ensure that his wrestling promotion is the last to come back. Um, Richard Holiday expected to be a big part of MLW's resurgence when they get to do that. All right, so let's go into some of the top events from WWE Raw last night. The first thing that I wanted to talk about was Asuka. Now, Asuka, two weeks ago, Asuka was in the segment with Becky Lynch where Becky Lynch announced that she was pregnant. She opened up the Money in the Bank briefcase that Asuka won the night before, but inside the briefcase was not the contract for a championship match anytime she wanted, but rather the championship itself. Evidently, Asuka didn't notice the difference in weight between a briefcase full of papers and one full of a championship title, but that's neither here nor there. Asuka was awarded the Raw Women's Champion, making her a Grand Slam champion, in addition to having won the Royal Rumble and the Money in the Bank. She's the only WWE Grand Slam win or a female WWE superstar to win the Grand Slam of titles as well as the Money in the Bank and the Royal Rumble. So she's in uh, exclusive territory in terms of her championship record in WWE. But that segment was mainly about Becky and Becky leaving. This segment that Asuka was in last night was more about Asuka and what the future is for Asuka as Raw Women's Champion. And it's hard to tell without fans, but it seems like Asuka is becoming more of a fan favorite. And of course, without fans expressing who their favorite is through the live events, this is difficult to determine. But her celebration, so Kari Zane brings out Asuka, gives her a fantastic introduction Gives her flowers. There's a big celebration. Kari Sane pulls out the recorder and dances around to a little tune that she played, I guess, in celebration of Asuka winning the title. But this is interrupted by Nia Jax, who's obviously a big heel, a bad guy, someone the fans don't cheer for, however you want to phrase it. 
So it feels then that maybe WWE is looking to have the fans cheer Asuka more than they had been. And so she's going to be going up against Nia Jax, who's someone the fans don't cheer for. So Nia interrupts Asuka's championship celebration, and then later in the back, Nia lays out Kari Singh. And we see Asuka run up to help Kari and then sort of vow that she was going to get Nia. So it definitely looks like Asuka's first defense of the Raw Women's Championship is going to be against Nia Jax. And that's kind of interesting. You know, Asuka now in this role. We'll see. She hasn't really... I mean, she was a babyface, a quote-unquote fan favorite when she debuted on the roster all throughout her NXT career. Then when she entered a tag team with the Kabuki Warriors, a little... Originally, they were managed by Paige. And then the the... They turned heel by spitting mist in the face of Paige. There might have been some other stuff, but... And then Asuka and Kari Sane turned heel. They went into the tag division. And now since the empty arena shows have started, Asuka seemed more of a focal point of the show. Her... She'll give promos that are primarily in Japanese, but she'll throw in like one or two English words just to sort of clarify what she's talking about. And so we saw the last holder of the Raw Women's title, Becky Lynch. She held it from WrestleMania 35 all the way, what, like 13, 14 months, all the way to the night after Money in the Bank 2020, where she relinquished it by dramatically announcing that she's pregnant. And now we'll see what Asuka does with the title. She's got a lot of challengers in this division. Nia Jax obviously looks like she's going to be her first, but what about Shayna Baszler? We've seen Shayna Baszler now defeat Natalia twice in a row. But Shayna Baszler did lose to Becky Lynch at WrestleMania, so the thought may be that Baszler is out of the title picture for the time being because she just lost a title match, albeit to a different champion. And then another person that we could see down the road, not anytime soon, but down the road, we could possibly see Asuka go up against Natalia. Now, Natalia, as I mentioned, has lost two matches in a row, both to Shayna Baszler. Really no shame there, Shayna Baszler. She's kind of good. But Natalia threw sort of a, a fit after both losses. And on Raw... She starts throwing a fit and she throws props that were to be used for the Kevin Owens show out of the ring. And Samoa Joe on commentary said this is not befitting of Natalia. This isn't what she represents, the legacy that she represents. And, and so is this the beginning of a quote-unquote heel turn for Natalia? And you almost wonder if the two things are a little related, right? Like, okay, Becky Lynch leaves, so we need someone in her spot. So Asuka will have the fans start to cheer her. She's the champion. Oh, now we need someone to replace the heel in this division. So Natalia will turn heel. Maybe they're related. Maybe they're not. 
But it does seem like both Oscar and Natalia are now going down new paths for both of them. Where will this lead for Natalia? Is another question we have to ask in the Raw women's division. If you look at the Raw women's division, there are a few other names in there who could possibly be title challengers down the road. Liv Morgan, Ruby Riot, Bianca Belair now is in the division. So we'll see where the Raw women's division now goes in this new Becky Lynch-less division. <laughs> So, also from Raw last night, there wasn't so much of a heel or babyface turn here, but rather Austin Theory was kicked out of one faction and appears to have joined another one. So there was a tag match. Kevin Owens teamed up with Apollo Crews and they took on Angel Garza and Andrade who are, uh, are, of course, two of the three members of Zelina Fa Vega's faction. And there has been some dissension amongst this faction in recent weeks, specifically concerning Austin Theory and Angel Garza. And so in this match, Zelina Vega had the referee distracted, Austin Theory accidentally hit the wrong man, cost his team the win, afterwards, Andrade... And Angel Garza beat up Austin Theory. They leave him laying. But then Seth Rollins is out in the next segment to accompany Buddy Murphy to the ring for Buddy Murphy's match with Aleister Black. And right, and he's sort of just standing over Austin Theory. This was very similar to how Seth Rollins brought uh, Buddy Murphy into his stable. So Austin Theory is standing over, or, or sorry, Seth Rollins is standing over Austin Theory, sort of offers him his hand, and then without saying anything, but kind of motioning towards the ring, Seth Rollins communicates that Austin Theory should go interfere in this match. And then Austin Theory dives into the ring and attacks Aleister Black just as Black was going to hit Black Mass on Buddy Murphy. And so now Austin Theory, it looks like, is another disciple of Seth Rollins. And this is good for Seth Rollins because he lost two of his disciples recently when one member of the Authors of Pain went down with injury. I'm just trying to pull this up here. One of the, I can't remember which member of the AOP was injured. It was Rezar. And he's not back to the fall of 2020. And AOP had been two of Seth Rollins' disciples, so he at least gains one back here by bringing Austin Theory into the fold. Another significant development that took place last night on WWE Raw is we're starting to get an idea of who might be the Knicks contender for Drew McIntyre's WWE Championship, and it looks like it might be Bobby Lashley. And it looks like Bobby Lashley might be managed by MVP at the moment, which is not sitting too well, naturally, with Lana. And so Lashley, what did he do last night? He beat somebody, and he beat R-Truth. He's sort of using more of a full Nelson now, as well as a full Nelson slam. R-Truth in his pre-match promo 
referred to this move as Nelson from The Simpsons, which took me a couple of rewinds to figure out what he was referring to, but I got it. I got it. So he defeated our truth last night, and then MVP and Bobby Lashley came out during Drew McIntyre's match with King Corbin and sort of made it known that Bobby Lashley is interested in this match and is interested in getting a shot at Drew McIntyre. So is that the next big is that the next big WWE championship rivalry that goes on on episodes of Raw? Looks like it. But we've still got a lot of time before the Backlash pay-per-view. Uh, when is the Backlash pay-per-view? Leave it is on well, That's Backlash 20 Backlash 2020. It's in early June. Backlash 2020. Just loading up. Uh, it's on June 14th. So we have quite a bit until the next pay-per-view. We've only got one... Uh, we've only got one scheduled match so far for that, and that is Randy Orton versus Edge in a traditional wrestling match. And Edge this week accepted Randy Orton's challenge for a singles match after they'd had a, uh, a, a what was it a last man standing match? No, it was just like a, well, they had a brawl all throughout the performance center. I can't remember what type of match it was at WrestleMania, but now Randy Orton saying, oh, I'll edge your, you're just not a better wrestler than me. So challenging you to a wrestling match and that wrestling match will take place at backlash. So based on everything that happened last night on raw, we're starting to get a clearer picture of the storylines developing now heading into Backlash next month. Um, in addition to the ones that we've mentioned, the Street Profits and the Viking Raiders are, are feuding. They met in a non-titles match. They've now met in axe-throwing competitions and pick-up basketball games. And you would have to imagine that all of this is leading to an eventual title match between the two, possibly at Backlash. So that's one feud that's developing. Edge versus Orton, that's another. Uh, Asuka, Nia Jax, that's a third. Possibly Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, that's a fourth. Seth Rollins took Rey Mysterio out of action. Not really sure if Rey Mysterio is coming back anytime soon, but you would have to imagine Seth Rollins is going to be doing something on the pay-per-view. Maybe with Aleister Black. Maybe Aleister Black will take on Austin Theory, or maybe he'll wrestle Buddy Murphy again, um, you know, although he did that on Raw last night. So something seems like it's developing there as well. And then next week on Raw, we've got a United States Championship match. Andrade is going to defend against Apollo Crews. So lots of, sort of, it was an eventful Raw last night. It was definitely an eventful Raw last night. Lots of storylines developing. Oscar's a babyface. Austin Theory's in a new stable. Natalia's maybe a heel. Edge versus Orton at the pay-per-view. The U.S. title on the next week. Lots of things happening on Raw last night, and lots of storylines advanced on uh, on Raw last night as well. And finally, let's just run down what is on tap 
in the world of pro wrestling tonight, Tuesday nights are a surprisingly big night for wrestling. They're a little bit smaller now that the NWA is not really airing episodes of Power right now, but we've still got AEW Dark, which is a nine-match episode tonight again. Impact Wrestling, which is an all-new episode as well. And we've got the season finale of Dark Side of the Ring. Tuesday night, it's a great wrestling night. You know, when you look at all the, the, the days of the week, I mean, Monday you got Raw, but, you know, as some people have pointed out, Raw's three hours and can sometimes be a chore. Tuesday night, you got Impact, AEW, Dark, Dark Side of the Ring. I find those three all very easy to watch. Wednesday, of course, you've got AEW and NXT, although if you're outside of the United States, um, NXT doesn't really air until the next night, but there are ways to view it. Uh, Thursday night, uh, there's really nothing. Friday night, you got SmackDown. Saturday night, you got MLW and uh, sometimes AEW pay-per-views. And Sundays, you've got uh, sometimes WWE pay-per-views. There's a lot of wrestling. A lot of wrestling in the world. All right, so going on tonight, of course, Dark Side of the Ring season finale, Owen Hart. Probably going to be a tough one to watch. Probably going to be a tough one to watch. Definitely going to be a tough one to watch. And unfortunately, I just think more of this quote unquote mudslinging is going to happen after the episode airs. And, and we, and once again, we won't be celebrating Owen Hart's life. We'll be debating the circumstances surrounding his death. And, uh, there will be people crying about Owen not being in the hall of fame. There will be people upset at, at how things were handled after. It'll just be a mess. And we go through this same mess every time that Owen Hart's name is brought up instead of celebrating what an awesome guy Owen Hart was and what an awesome wrestler he was and how funny he was. If, you, if you're following along with the podcast I do with Jeff Moss, Wrestling's Greatest War, we're going back and we're looking at all these episodes in 1996 and being able to watch Owen Hart 24 years after the fact. So much of what he does is tongue in cheek. So much of it was sarcastic. So much of it were these jokes that really only wrestling fans would get. And it's really enjoyable to watch Owen Hart and, uh, now from this perspective. But I don't think this documentary tonight is going to be enjoyable to watch. And I don't think that fallout from it is going to be enjoyable to follow, but that's what we're going to get. And it airs tonight. Uh, also tonight, impact wrestling is back on. They've got four matches scheduled. One of them's for the X division title. And two of them are in a tournament to determine the new number one contender for Tessa Blanchard's Impact World Championship. Tessa Blanchard did not travel out for the uh, tournament in, uh, or the tapings rather, in, in Tennessee, or the tournament rather, in Tennessee, that they held in April. Uh, they are saying that she's stuck in Mexico. I, you know, she's she lives in California. Um, so who knows? But, well, I mean... You know, Tessa, of course, like 
many of the other people who have, have not traveled to tapings. I mean, she's got her reasons for doing so. Um, and uh, certainly nobody can blame her for that. Uh, but this tournament will determine who is the next challenger for Tessa Blanchard's title. But while this is going on, Moose has declared himself the TNA world champion, withdrew from this tournament because he feels that the Impact World Championship is a lesser title than his TNA World Championship. So we'll probably hear from Moose on that fact tonight on Impact Wrestling. But the match is scheduled for tonight in the number one contenders tournament. Impact has announced that Ace Austin is replacing Ken Shamrock, who in storyline couldn't make it due to the attack he suffered last week from Sammy Callahan. So it'll be Ace Austin versus Rhino. And in the other number one contender tournament uh, match this week, Sammy Callahan will take on Michael Elgin. And that should be a good match. Um, in tag team action, Team Triple XL will take on TJP and Falaba in the tag division there. And for the X Division Championship, Willie Mack will defend against Johnny Swinger. And so that's what's going on in Impact, but there should be much more than just what's advertised. Like, like I said, we'll likely get an update from Moose, as well as all the other goings-on in Impact Wrestling. Then for AEW Dark tonight from Daly's Place in Jacksonville, Florida, nine matches have been scheduled once again. These are all pitting... Uh, wrestlers from AEW against wrestlers who are sort of on the short term with AEW. So we've got Jason Cade will take on Marco Stunt tonight. Musa and Lee Johnson will team up to take on Jimmy Havoc and Kip Sabian. Sean Dean will take on Phoenix. John Cruz will take on Luther. Ryan Rembrandt and Mike Reed will team up to take on Private Party. Alan Angles will take on Sammy Guevara. Sir Serpentico will take on Darby Allen. Danny Jordan will take on Hikaru Shida. And Clutch Adams will take on QT Marshall. That all takes place tonight on AEW Dark. And that is your spoiler-free wrestling update for Tuesday, May 19th, 2020.